1: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of Auntie Nanny. Uh, with me tonight is the mall rat, Miss Jeannie Kay. Hi, Jeannie. How are you this evening? Bah, humbug. <laughs> okay. So, once again, the commercialism of the holidays had an amazing effect on the bubbliness and the vivaciousness of Miss Jeannie Kay. And... <laughs> I hear you. I work with those people day in day out. They get dumber and dumber as the holidays get closer. And um, and the best producer money can't buy. I very, how are you this evening?
0: Fine. But I don't fall for all the commercialism of the modern yeah. era. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I <laughs>
1: yeah. Pretty much, it, everybody seems to uh, get handmade stuff for me, even if I don't make it myself. You
2: know,
3: oh, there's be, something about Speaking that. of handmade stuff, Miss Jan. Yes. Guess what came in my mail? Did you get your scarf? On Saturday. <laughs> was it a good time to get your scarf? Yes, it was. <laughs> like this is fucking awesome and Bernie's like, "Is that a donut, mom?" I said, "Yes, Bernie. <laughs> it means I don't <laughs> care." I don't care. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that yeah. was epic, Jan. It was absolutely perfect. I opened it up and I'm like What the hell is, who the hell sent me this? And down in the box, yeah, down Mm -hmm. in the box, there was this little bitty thing. I had to go search for it. I'm like, you know, this makes absolutely perfect sense. Thank you very much. Well, I
1: couldn't get her to make me one that said fuck you, but I I thought that was pretty close. (laughs) (laughs) So, I'm glad you got your Christmas gift. I figured it was perfect for this time of year, and it's always so cold where you are.
0: And I had a strange, small, green thing turn up today. Yeah.
1: Oh come on, that was awesome. Yeah. That was awesome.
0: It'll it'll sit on my shelf with pride since we don't actually use dice here anymore for that sort of thing. I know.
1: Thing is, yeah, it's, that's that's you can't cheat using that die when you're do when you're RPGing.
3: When you're that's what,
1: what that when you're roll when you're doing role playing games. Um, You you cannot cheat with that die, that particular die. When you're doing what? (laughs)
3: Role-playing games.
1: Okay, Jeannie, it's all right.
3: (laughs) You haven't descended this far into nerddom. It's good. It's good. (laughs) Oh, and by the way, as far as you're talking about how cold it is, um, my furnace, my pellet stove has been off. This is the third day, Jan. It's been off Uh because we haven't needed it. It has been in the mid to high 50s. It
1: hasn't gotten cold here yet. I mean, we had a couple of colder days, and I felt it, but nothing like nothing like it usually is this time of year. It's been kind of freaky weather-wise. But
0: I had to put yeah. my heater on for a while today. Oh,
1: my it's, it's God. It's been
0: below zero for the last couple of days. So, yeah. Oh, wow. And that's Celsius, folks. Below yeah, zero Celsius. no, that's
1: not Fahrenheit. It's completely different. It's much yeah. colder. <laughs> oh, God. So... It's, uh, it's been an interesting week, I guess. Um, you could always say that and we can say that every week about the fucking government because, you know, every freaking week is an interesting week when you're looking at these fucking criminals. Um, so I, I guess I'm going to start because I said I was going to talk about jury nullification and I am, um... Only because I feel so strongly about it. And um, technically, I think it's actually illegal for me to even talk about it. Huh? It's it's illegal to talk about jury nullification under circum- certain circumstances. Um, don't take legal advice from me, but um, we're going to just touch on jury nullification for a bit. And then I'll tell you why I think it's important. So... Um, Prosecutor says Mincosta man's jury pamphlets, that's pamphlets on your rights as a juror, could create a lawless nation. Big Rapids, Michigan. The Macosta County District Courtroom was packed Thursday morning with supporters of Keith Wood at the preliminary hearing for the former pastor, now small business owner, who faces a five-year felony for passing out flyers on jurors' rights on a sidewalk in front of the courthouse. After Judge Kimberly Boer adjourned the preliminary exam Thursday, both parties who argued who should be called as a witness in the case. Mancosta County Prosecutor Brian Thied told Judge Boer that he is not, necess- not a necessary witness, and if he is called as one, he plans to tell the jury the pamphlets would pass out could create a quote-unquote lawless nation. This fully informed jury association pamphlet Just says, ignore the law, ignore the facts, do what your conscience wants, said Thede, after he tossed the pamphlet on the table. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, well, we could have a jury who thinks that jihad is righteous. And if the San Bernardino shooters had not been killed, they'll say, let's acquit. Jesus fucking Christ. This statement was greeted by booing from the courtroom gallery and Judge Boer asked people not to comment as Thied then said we would have a lawless nation if people were to vote their conscience. Defense attorney Dave Kalman said he understood the concerns of Judge Jekovic and Thied with jury nullification. I understand what Theed is saying. We don't want anarchy. We don't. And that sort of thing, said Kalman. But I think he's conflating what was going on here with what the actual rights of jurors are. Jurors have the power to rule according to their conscience. People in the courtroom applauded Kalman when he quoted from the Michigan criminal jury instructions. Quote, in the end, your vote must be your own and you must vote honestly and in good conscience. It's in the jury instruction, for goodness sake, that's given every single time in every single criminal case in this state. The key argument Thursday focused on the defense Pena's of Judge Peter Jekalvik, who was accused of directly ordering Wood's arrest, Magistrate Thomas Lyons, Prosecutor Brian Theed, and Assistant Prosecutor Nathan Hull. Kalman said the prosecution must be called as a witness because the police reports show Theed directed court employees to speak with Wood outside the courthouse as he ended out the flyers on November 24th. These are all points that make it clear that they are necessary witnesses, but Mr. Thede directly questioned our client in the hallway. When he's bought in, he's not Mirandized. I don't know what they asked him. I'm not entitled to call him as a witness while this is going on before the judge orders him Wood to be arrested. Thede argued Wood only passed out flyers because he knew of another case taking place that day. Court records show that for November 24th, the show, Andy Yoder, an Amish man, pleaded guilty to three misdemeanors regarding Department of Environmental Quality permits to create and refill inland lakes. The defendant here had a specific interest in this case, said Thede. We show that he's there at the pretrial for this case when only this case was up for pretrial. Then we see him at the courthouse again, and this case that we're talking about is the Yoder case. But Kalman said Wood was not targeting jurors when passing out pamphlets that have general legal information. He said these charges violate free speech. Our defense is a First Amendment defense. Our client had the right of free speech to hand out pamphlets with legal information, said Kalman. There's nothing in this juror pamphlet that says anything about any case going on before the court. It's general information put out by an organization that was not even put out by my client. As Wood told Fox 17 before, he said he was not targeting jurors and wants the charges dropped. Judge Boer plans to issue her written opinion on each person's penalty, though the defense and prosecution did not object to Judge DeKalvick and Magistrate Lyons testifying in the case. Kalman told Fox 17 he plans to file another motion by December 21st, asking for Wood's felony charge to be dismissed on grounds that it is a general charge that does not apply after already being charged with a specific crime, Noted in the misdemeanor for jury tampering. The prosecution has until January 8th to respond.
3: How the hell is he ju-
1: There's There's a video. Very if I give you the link, will you attempt to play it? I know you can't always play everything that comes from the, U- the U.S.
0: Hang on, I'll give it a call. Hang on. Hang on, hang on. Let's check it in
1: our chat.
0: It's okay, I've got it. Okay. Ah. Flash crashed. Oh (laughs) no! Okay. Hang on. on. No, I've got it now.
1: Okay. This is just freaking terrible, and you actually need to hear the words coming out of the
0: prosecutor's mouth. Oh, not getting any sound. Okay. Hang on. A
4: father of seven is facing up to five years in prison for handing out pamphlets on jury rights in front of the courthouse. It's a story of first brought you earlier this month.
5: Keith Wood was back in court this morning for a hearing, which was postponed, but we are finally hearing from the prosecutor on why he doesn't want to be called as a witness in this case. Fox 17's Dana Chiklis joins us now in studio with the latest. Right. And the Macosta County District courtroom this morning was just packed mostly with supporters of Keith Wood, the man who told me in front of his family that day that he felt speechless literally when he was arrested and then spent 12 hours in jail the week of Thanksgiving, all for passing out those jury rights flyers. Now, the main issue in court today was whether or not the prosecutors will be called as witnesses. And if they are, if this goes to trial, the attorney general's office will have to appoint a special prosecutor to take over the case.
3: I believe based on that, that there is good cause to adjourn the preliminary examination for today.
5: As soon as Judge Booer adjourned Keith Wood's preliminary exam, both parties addressed whether McCosta County prosecutors will take the stand. Prosecutor Brian Thede says he's not a necessary witness, but if he's called to testify, he says he'll tell the jury that the pamphlets Wood passed out could create a lawless nation.
6: This just says ignore the law, ignore the facts do what your conscience wants, and I'm thinking, oh my goodness, well, we could have the the jury who thinks that jihad is righteous, and if the San Bernardino shooters had not been killed, they'd say, let's acquit. (laughs) We would have a lawless nation. If people were to vote their conscience.
5: The judge quieting boos here from Wood supporters, defense attorney Dave Coleman, received applause when he said he understands, quote, we don't want anarchy, but then read the Michigan criminal jury instructions saying jurors can vote their conscience.
6: Quote, in the end, your vote must be your own, and you must vote honestly and in good conscience. It's in the jury instruction, for goodness sake. That's given every single time in every single criminal case in this state.
5: But back to the key argument at stake here. Coleman says the prosecution must be called as witnesses, saying police reports show Thede ultimately directing the arrest of Wood back on November 24th.
6: These are all points that make it very clear that they are necessary witnesses. But Mr. Thede directly questioned our client in the hallway. He's, when he's brought in, he's not Mirandaized. I don't know what he asked him. I'm not entitled to call him as a witness while this is all going on before the judge orders him to be arrested.
5: Arguments spilled into why Thede believes Wood tampered with the jury, saying he passed out flyers because he knew of another case. But the defense says the charges violate free speech.
6: The Yoder case, he's, he's the only time we ever have anybody show up to pass out pamphlets, and the only jury to be picked that day is the Yoder jury. Our defense is a First Amendment defense. Our client had the right of free speech to hand out this pamphlet with legal information. And frankly, under Brandenburg and other cases, he could have been advocating criminal activity.
5: Wood stands firm, saying he was not targeting jurors and wants the charges dropped.
6: I don't believe I did anything wrong, so I I want all of the charges dismissed. I mean, I, I truly believe in my heart of hearts I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't break the law, so they need to drop all of the charges against me.
5: Keith there just of course wanting these charges dropped and as of now we're waiting to hear from the judge who says she'll be issuing a written opinion on each of the people including the prosecutors here who are subpoenaed to testify in this case. The next step for the defense they tell me is to file a motion asking to dismiss that felony uh, charge obstruction of justice. They will be doing that in the next week and a half. Of course we'll stay on top of this case for you and give you all updates. For now in the studio Dana Chiklis Fox 17 News.
0: Uh, so it basically okay. comes down to the usual. There's a scumbag prosecutor who who thinks he's above the law mm-hmm. and can do what he likes.
1: Yeah. Um Jeannie, you, you sound like you wanna say something or rip somebody to shreds. You might want to get that out before we go a little bit deeper into jury nullification, get it out.
3: You know, this is this is an absolute crack of shit. Um, I, <laughs> it's it's bad enough that, say, it, it's bad enough that the jury isn't given all the information that they should have to make a decision. Okay. Mm-hmm. And there, if if some guys. Or some woman's 11-year-old daughter was raped and beaten to death. And one of these parents killed the person that did this to their child.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: I, I, in all good conscience, could not send this person to jail. I don't give a fuck what the law says. I could not send that parent to jail. Couldn't do it.
1: Okay, I mean, I can't That's- say I dis- disagree with that
3: that's uh-huh. what I'm saying but my decision is based on my conscience and that's mm-hmm. what I have to use to make these decisions when you're sitting on a jury mm-hmm.
0: well yeah just to well, point out right the American legal system is based roughly on the UK one um and here it's explicitly stated in some cases by the judge that the jury is not legal experts, they won't understand a lot of the legal ramifications, and they must vote with their conscience. That's Mm -hmm. what the whole jury system is for.
3: (laughs) Exactly. And this guy is going to go to jail because he was handing out flyers out in front of a courthouse saying, you know, these are what the jury's rights are. This is what people's rights are as a juror. So by telling people what their rights are... He's been arrested and gonna go to jail or could possibly go to jail. I sure as fuck hope that jury votes by their conscience. Uh,
0: I really I think mean, it's ridiculous as well that the prosecutor can't be forced to, to testify, testify. Yeah. that's just um, ridiculous
1: the whole thing just makes the top of my head just want to explode um but i but I because there's more videos with an explanation about like what jury nullification is and you know um if i ever go to jail you'll you'll know why because there are certain circumstances i'm not supposed to talk about this under but i don't fucking care
0: you could watch uh, that film with john kuzak i can't remember the name of it A bit the, the one about the tobacco tampering. companies yeah, yeah. gun yeah. companies it was
1: yeah. oh was it gun companies yeah Um, This is a piece from August 6th, 2015, and it was written by uh, some sort of lawyer, legal scholar, um, nullifying juries more interested in justice than some prosecutors. The fact that jurors can let the guilty go free intended to protect us from unjust laws. If you're a member of a jury in a criminal case, even if you think the defendant is guilty of the crimes charged, you are entirely free to vote for acquittal if you think the prosecution is malicious or unfair or that a conviction in the case would be unjust or that the law itself is unconstitutional or simply wrong. And if you do so, there's nothing anyone can do about it. Judges and prosecutors know this, but they don't want jurors to know it which is why we occasionally see cases like there's one this this article linked to, which also happened in August. It happens quite a lot, actually. In which jury information activist Mark Lancetti or Ian Selly, I'm sorry, was arrested and charged with jury tampering for setting up a small booth in front of a Denver courthouse labeled juror info and passing out leaflets. Putting up a sign and passing out leaflets sounds like free speech to me, but apparently Denver District Attorney, District Attorney Mitch Morrissey feels differently. The last time I noticed a case like this was in 2012, where a retired chemistry professor did pretty much the same thing. Federal judge Kimbra Wood dismissed the indictment. At the time, NYU law professor Rachel Barco commented, I don't think sensible prosecutors should even have bought this case. Well, sensible prosecutors didn't, and UCLA law professor Eugene Volka wrote. It seems to me that such speech is constitutionally protected and that the indictment therefore violates the First Amendment. One can debate whether jury nullification is good or bad for the legal system, but it's clear that it's not a crime for jurors to refuse to convict even when the jury instructions seem to call for a guilty verdict. So Haiken is encouraging a jury to engage in legal even if in the view of some harmful conduct. It's legal, but prosecutors don't want jurors to know about it because if jurors knew they were free to acquit in the interest of justice, it would weaken prosecutions. Prosecutors don't even like billboards aimed at educating jurors. Of course, prosecutors have essentially the same power since they're under no obligation to bring charges against even an obviously guilty defendant. But while the power of juries to let guilty people go free in the name of justice is treated as suspect and called jury nullification, the power of prosecutors to do the exact same thing is called prosecutorial discretion and is treated not as a bug, but as a feature in our justice system. But there's no obvious reason why one is better than the other. Yes, prosecutors are professionals, but they're also politicians, which means that their discretion may be employed politically. And they're repeat players in the justice system, which makes them targets for corruption in a way that juries, lay people who come together for a single case, aren't. As S. Conrad notes in his book, Jury Nullification, the Evolution of a Doctrine, to the framers of our Constitution, jury nullification itself was a feature, not a bug. Distrust of the bureaucracy and even of the judiciary framing era Americans viewed juries' refusal to convict as an important protection for liberty. This remained the case until, Conrad notes, juries began to refuse to enforce the Fugitive Slave Act of 1850 because they thought returning escaped slaves to their owners was unjust. In response, the system began to try to get around juries' power not to convict. These efforts increased when juries were reluctant to convict labor leaders or to enforce prohibition. And though there were racist juries that refused to convict racist defendants in the civil rights era, Conrad notes that those juries were part of a system that also involved racist prosecutors, racist police, and racist judges. Nowadays, jury nullification is no less important because, as I recently wrote in the Columbia Law Review, so few cases go to a jury anymore. Instead, prosecutors draft massive kitchen sink indictments charging dozens or hundreds of crimes, then bludgeon defendants into accepting a plea bargain rather than risk a trial in which conviction on even a single count of hundreds of charges could be disastrous. A different kind of jury, the grand jury, is supposed to discipline prosecutors on indictments, but in practice they've turned into rubber stamps for the most part. If we value justice in this nation, the solution isn't to give prosecutors a freer hand. It's to hold them more firmly to the limitations our our founders, our nation's founders intended. That's not tampering. It's setting things right. Can you play that video? Yeah. Mm -hmm.
6: Thank you. On a jury, you know your options guilty or not. But there's another choice that neither the judge nor the lawyers will tell you, often because they're not allowed to, and also because it might be better if you don't know. This video will tell you that third choice, but be warned, simply watching may prevent you from ever serving on a jury. So this is your last chance to hit the pause button before you learn about jury nullification. When the defendant is 100% beyond a reasonable doubt guilty, but the jurors also think he shouldn't be punished, the jury can nullify the law and let him go free. But before you're on your next jury and yell null booyah at the judge, you should know that just talking about jury nullification in the wrong circumstances can get you arrested. Though a video such as this one simply acknowledging the existence of jury nullification and in no way advocating it is totally okay. And while we're at it... CGP Grey is not a lawyer. This is not legal advice. This is meant for entertainment purposes only. Seriously, guy, don't do anything in a court of law based on what an internet video told you. No joke. So why can't you do this? It's because nullification isn't in the law, but exists as a logical consequence of two other laws. First, the juries can't be punished for a wrong decision, no matter what the witnesses, DNA evidence, or video proof show. That's the point of a jury, to be the final decider. And second, when a defendant is found not guilty, that defendant can't be tried again for the same crime. So there are only two stated options, guilty or not. It's just that jury nullification is when the words of the jurors don't match their thoughts, for which they can't be punished, and their not guilty decision can't be changed. These laws are necessary for juries to exist within a fair system, but the logical consequence is contentious lawyers and judges argue about jury nullification like physicists argue about quantum mechanics. Both are difficult to observe and the interpretation of both has a huge philosophical ramification for the subject as a whole. Is jury nullification the righteous will of the people, or an anarchy of twelve, or just how citizens judge their laws? The go-to example in favor of nullification is the fugitive slave law, when northern juries refuse to convict escaped slaves and set them free. Can't argue with that, but the anarchy side is southern juries refusing to convict lynch mobs, not humanity at a best, but both of these are juries nullifying the law. And also juries have two options for where their thoughts may differ from their words. Jury nullification usually refers to the non-guilty version, but juries can convict without evidence just as easily as they can acquit in spite of it. This is jury nullification too, and the jurors are protected by the first rule, though the second doesn't apply, and judges do have the power to overrule a guilty verdict if they think the jurors are in the best. And of course a guilty defendant can appeal, at least for a little while, which makes the guilty form of jury nullification weaker than the not guilty kind hold comfort, though. Given the possibility of jurors who might ignore the law as written, it's not surprising when picking jurors for a trial, lawyers whose existence is dependent on an orderly society, will ask about nullification usually in the slightly roundabout way. Do you have any beliefs that might prevent you from making a decision based strictly on the law? If, after learning about jury nullification, you think it's a good idea, answer yes and you'll be rejected, but answer no with the intent to get on the jury to nullify and you've just committed perjury, technically a federal crime, which makes the optimal strategy once on a jury to zip it. But this introduces a problem for jurors who intend to nullify. Telling the other 11 angry men about your position is risky, which makes nullification as a tool for fixing unjust laws nationwide problematic. Not to mention about 95% of criminal charges in the United States never make it to trial and rather end in a plea bargain, but that's a story for another time. The only question about jury nullification that may matter in the end is if jurors should be told about it, and the courts are near universal in their decision, no way. Which, again, might seem self-interested, courts do depend on the law, but there's evidence that telling jurors about nullification changes the way they vote by making evidence less relevant to them, which isn't surprising, that's what nullification is. But mock trials also show sympathetic defendants get more non-guilty verdicts and unsympathetic defendants get more guilty verdicts in front of jurors who were explicitly told about nullification compared to those who weren't, which sounds bad, but it's also easy to imagine situations where jurors blindly following the law would be terribly unjust. In the end, righteous will of the people or anarchy or citizen lawmaking, the system leaves you to decide, but as long as courts are fair, they require these rules, so jury nullification will always be with us.
2: Yes.
1: There's there's something really, really wrong with the idea that you can't be the guardian of knowledge that you need to use your conscience to be your guide. There's something really wrong with that idea.
0: Well, lawyers are forever trying to fiddle with the legal system as well. Because here in Scotland, we still run a kind of odd jury system. Um where on capital cases, criminal cases, um, you have 15 in the jury. Uh, You need a minimum of 12 for the case to go ahead. And to get a guilty verdict, at least 8 of them have to agree. Mm -hmm. And it's designed so that you can't get a split decision. Which is good. (laughs) But lawyers keep trying to change this. They're like, oh, we should go... Go the same as everybody else and just have a nice even number of jurors. And you're like, but that means cases can go on forever.
1: Forever. Yeah.
0: If they keep getting split decisions. Mm -hmm. The Scottish system does not allow for a split decision. So.
1: Um, I just. This is. This is a legal. This is legal knowledge you should have. No, I, I mean, I never get picked for a jury.
0: Yeah, never. I never have been. I've never even been called to be oh, asked.
1: <laughs> they have they call you into the room, and then they look down, and, oh, look, she's reading Lysander Spooner. Nope. No, I'm an automatic no just based on my reading material.
0: Well, I'd, I'd get rejected these days because of my mental health conditions. Well, it not a good nothing... idea having somebody on the jury who has the concentration of a goldfish. <laughs> um,
1: well, I, I don't think people today have concentration much beyond a goldfish, so you're probably doing absolutely fine. Um,
0: that that and yeah, I, I I have this thing where I think logically, um that's not yeah. what the law does, so they wouldn't like that either.
1: I'm. Just not a fan of the idea that this knowledge exists and you're not supposed to have it.
0: It's well, I mean, it exists. It's freely mm-hmm. available. It's all mm-hmm. in, you know, yeah. the law books. It's just mm-hmm. you aren't allowed to talk about it, which is ridiculous. Which is
1: ridiculous. Exactly, it violates your First Amendment right of free speech. So, yeah. well,
0: it technically means that by their own jury nullification decisions, no one anywhere apart from judges, should have access to uh, legal volumes.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, you remember, I mean, maybe you don't. Jeannie, do you remember when we talked about Pacer? No. Okay. Pacer... Pacer's a pain in the ass. And, like, I know Julie Westner and I paid a lot of money to get the Enjoy legal decisions. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Every okay. Every week. We had to pay for that out of our own pockets to keep people informed about what was going on with the case. That legal information is supposed to be freely available. Okay. Pacer still charges you for it. And they charge you a lot for each page of information. And at the end of a trial, I mean, that cost quite a lot of money. Um, they were told that information had to be freely available legally to the public. So they set up, six libraries in all of the United States that could print the information out freely, and everyone else has to pay for it. And then they took, and remember they destroyed a whole shit ton of legal documents they were supposed to keep?
3: Yep. Yeah. Kind of like Lois Lerner with email. It,
1: you know things are corrupt when information you're freely supposed to be have is being destroyed when you're being prevented from talking about information you're legally supposed to have.
3: Well, that's kind that's of like the Freedom wrong. of Information Act, though, too, because, I mean, you have to pay to get that shit. You know, it should be electronic, and you should be able to get your Freedom of Information material via email for free. Mm-hmm. But no, don't they tell you you have to pay pay them to print it?
1: Yeah, you do.
3: You know, I mean, it's crazy. So, you know, here here's all your right. To re- have this information,
0: pay for this shit. Oh, <laughs> got and of that. course, to get the documents telling you how to request the Freedom of Information requests, you'll, you'll need to pay to get those as well.
1: Well, actually, <laughs> if you're really really smart, www.foiamachine.com. Yeah, just throwing that out there. <laughs> just it just as a, a thought.
0: Just. <laughs> The lawyers might hear and be upset. I really yet.
1: don't give a fuck what the lawyers <laughs> hear. If I ever go to jail, I'm probably not going to come out. Um, it's it's but, no real
0: surprise that the legal system has been turned into a money making machine. Well, of just course, like every I mean, other.
1: I mean, of course, and, and they all are. Yeah. You know, every system. You know, but the. the I think what bothers me most about this is that it really does violate your your right to free speech. Everyone yeah. has that, even if it's ugly and horrible. The right to say what you think. There's nothing wrong with that. And people will object and, and you'll say something stupid and someone will punch you in the face and that's a natural consequence of free speech. Yeah. It, it, it's always been that way. But the thing I always find about up.
0: juries, though, is... Basically, when you agree to be a juror, you give up some of your right of free speech. (laughs) And civil liberties. Because, you know, a judge can order you to be held so that you can't go out in public. Yeah. um, yeah. If it's an important case. But that's fine, apparently. You know, they can completely ignore your rights if you're a juror. (laughs)
1: Well, hey, don't forget, you get that fancy $15 a day here in Florida for that privilege.
0: Oh, here you've got a mountain of paperwork to fill out to do with your earnings and transportation costs and all that kind of nonsense.
1: Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. They have to pay for parking and gas and all sorts of fun things, yeah. So, um, I guess we're going to talk about um, freedom of speech and life on campus. The student censors at Yale claimed to scalp, pardon the microaggression, this week when lecturer Erika Chastis resigned her teaching position on childhood education. She had been piloted for asking in an email if students weren't too sensitive if they are offended by a politically incorrect Halloween costume. Yale's powers that be ducked and covered in response, but the news on campus isn't all bad. According to a forthcoming report, by the Foundation for Individual Rights in Education. The Foundation's annual survey of 440 colleges, compromising 336 four-year public and 104 private institutions, finds that the share of schools maintaining severely restrictive speech codes has dropped below 50%, 49.3% to be exact, for the first time in the organization's history. As many as three-quarters of colleges boasted restrictive speech codes in 2007, and 55% did as of last year. Another positive sign in the number of schools is receiving FIRE's highest green light rating has nearly tripled since 2006, up 22% from 18 last year. These beacons include Purdue University, the University of Virginia, the University of North Carolina Chapel Hill, Um, More than twice as many colleges have received ratings upgrades as downgrades in the year. Some colleges have reaffirmed in principle their commitment to free speech. In January, the University of Chicago endorsed the principle that debate or deliberation may not be suppressed because the ideas are perceived as offensive. Princeton adopted a similar resolution in April, while Johns Hopkins in September identified free and independent inquiry as one of its core principles. The state of Missouri this year enacted the Campus Free Expression Act, barring public colleges from restricting free speech to prescribed zones on campus. Ironically, University of Missouri protesters this fall benefited from this First Amendment protection while seeking to muzzle and muscle Dissident voices. As the configuration of free speech at Mizzou showed, colleges often contravene the law and these stated principles. Princeton prohibits offensive sexual comments, while Johns Hopkins forbids rude, disrespectful behavior. At Boise, Boise State University, students may not publish, display, or transmit inappropriate or offensive material. This could apply to just about every student's Facebook page and Instagram. (laughs) The University of South Dakota prescribes, postscribes bullying, which don't laugh, is loosely defined as teasing, making fun of, laughing at, harassing someone over time. Middlebury College's code of civilry censures flagrant disrespect for persons, Will and even grants students the right to be protected against actions that may be harmful to the health or emotional stability of the individual. Trigger warning. The First Amendment protects offensive, distasteful, derisive remarks. Public colleges can't punish microaggressions any more than the Justice Department can prosecute Donald Trump's oafish comments. While private institutions may promulgate restrictive codes of conduct, doing so chills free expression and inquiry. These have long been the bedrocks of higher education. Censorship on campus will take time to beat back, but the latest fire report shows the opposition showing some progress.
0: Jeez. If if I ever go to the University of South Dakota, I would wear a gag. Unfortunately, that would probably count. As offensive. Yeah. Yeah.
3: So, let's go back to this. Wesley and even grant students the right to be protected against actions that may be harmful to the health or emotional stability of the individual. That, 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 wait, I need to go there. I need to, <laughs> to go there. I seriously- do, you,
1: do you know what the problem is? We're teaching people not to adult
3: we're teaching yeah, people how not to adult. I, I know, Jan, but look, but if the, but if that's the case, that means I would be protected against morons and fucking stupid people there, right? No. Because no. they are no, a no. danger to my emotional stability, because they piss me off.
0: Well, there's, there's a God. story about know, that over that here beat. as well. Okay. Um, students demanding safe space.
1: What, what the fuck <laughs> is that exactly? Does anybody know?
0: It's, it's an area where they can all sit and not have to put up with people taking the piss, apparently.
3: That's,
1: that's well, so isn't, it, isn't your closet you a safe space?
3: Outside, go the fuck to your dorm room and close the door. you yeah. can still hear it, <laughs> put some fucking headphones on, because that's what I have to do when people are really pissing me off on a daily basis. I mean, good God. That's what God. I'm saying. Whiny-ass little babies that are never going to be productive adults. They are never going to be able to, to understand critical thinking. They are never going to be able to function as a real fucking adult. Oh, God. Sorry.
0: You feel okay. better now, though, Jeannie. Do
3: you feel better, Jeannie? No, now I'm pissed. <laughs> <laughs> I, I
1: think it's a good thing. It means the tide is slowly changing. It's just that it's taking too fucking long.
0: Yeah, the the the, the government call, government call correct brigade are
3: everywhere. Is bunch of sissy fight. Yeah. Of <laughs>
1: oh, Have you ever seen that? I, and I posted a lot that video. Um, that uh, I post on my Facebook page where uh, it, it uh, it's called "I'm Offended." It's by a comic called Steve Hughes. And he he talks about things that are offensive and making laws against things that are offensive. He finds, like, boy bands offensive. That's completely true. Everything that's offensive is individual to you and the way you grew up, the way you were raised, the schools you went to, the people who are your friends and your family, whether you're religious or not. I mean, and how do you
3: make laws about that? How, How do you make rules about that? How are you going to protect anyone from spam something? These people that are offending me. I mean, good God! I want to live in a democracy, but I never want to be offended again. You're an idiot.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're probably the same as me. You you take the 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 simple solution. If you're finding something really offensive, you stop reading it or stop listening to <laughs> it, and go somewhere else.
1: Honestly, <sighs> I. I Something Rather that's than complain offens- about it I will it, endure you know. something i I will endure something that's offensive just on the off chance that I might learn something yeah that's why like if you look at at the show notes they're always a mix. They're a mix of like different news sources from different places and I will never never add another news story from Wired again. I just want you all to know that um I'm really <laughs> pissed off with Wired. Really mad with them. Uh, the
0: recent, recent non journalist thing.
1: Yeah. Oh my god. Just Oh, I just want to smack the shit out of them. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, I am so sick of the lazy fucking journalism, and Fergus had it absolutely right. Yeah.
3: Can you link Fergus's article in the chat so
1: people uh, can read it?
0: Oh, I don't think I've got it to hand. Oh. Um, Remember when
3: I, I said before the show that I needed to run downstairs because I couldn't find my e cig? You know what I should have done is I should have just grabbed my damn dripper and my twelve mag before I came up here for the show because <laughs> what was I thinking? Why was I thinking <laughs> that you know suboming twelve would be a bad idea during the show? Um, no, yeah, that would have been the smart thing to get a hold of.
0: Hang on, I'm having to look for the article. I may but, not find it. I but, mean, yeah.
3: it, what
1: we've seen with that fucking ridiculous Harvard study is that. You're seeing more journalism by press release. Yeah. I know we're not journalists here. We just analyze the news. We just talk about the news. We just try to break it down, right? But, my God, I've never seen such bad journalism in this country. And the promulgation of it and the explosion of it, it just makes me really sad. It, it almost looks like they've got rid of Which version of, all of
0: Fergus's story do you want?
1: Oh, I'm good with the sweary one,
3: but I'm not sure everybody
1: else is. I'll, I'll go uh, with
0: the U.S. Blast one, I think.
3: Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody says, why do we always come here? I guess we'll never know. Uh, you come here because you need the cardio workout every, every week. That, that's, <laughs> that's, that's my thing. Um, I, yeah, this show gives me my cardio workout for the day, and all I have to do is sit my fat ass in a chair. Um, so, yeah, it's it's all good. <laughs> Oh, come on. We talked about jury nullification. That's your
1: right to know.
3: Yes. Have but a right that to know. me off, too, because, I mean, the poor guy is being charged with this shit for telling people what their rights are under yeah. the freaking law. Mm-hmm. That's just so asininely stupid. But we have a problem. If this
1: is okay, if this is okay to anyone, we have a problem. Yeah. I think... Almost everyone, no matter what your background is in this room, thinks that was wrong. Right? So we already know we can agree that we don't want that right taken away from anybody. Yeah. You can go from people.
0: The way you have the duty service set up and similar over here. Yeah, that guy has the right to be there handing out leaflets. Because it's not until they are actually selected as jury members, that there's a problem. (laughs) It's up to the prosecutor and the defense to choose the jury. What happens before they do that is nothing to do with them, basically. I
1: agree. I agree. But, I mean, the whole thing is... I'm going to tell you just from experience... I mean, I'm not the smartest person anybody's ever met. I'm, you know, far from it. I'm stupid about a lot of things. There's a lot of things I can't do and a lot of things I don't know about. But I have a lot of knowledge that I've gained in the last maybe 15 to 20 years about how things were intended to be, what the legal system works like, how it's supposed to work. And yet going in to be selected for jury duty, I'm never picked because I have this knowledge. Wouldn't you think it would behoove you to have as a juror someone who's fully educated about these things instead of rejecting them out of hand?
0: Well you'd but think that lawyers the don't like people and is afraid to know what's going on.
1: That yeah. that stuff's going to spread. Yeah. I got selected to be on a jury once. I've never been selected. I mean, they actually tell me, you know, you might be fine for a fraud case. I've been told that two or three times. Oh, go ahead. So you've never been selected for a jury like ever? Oh yeah. No. I was I was Morgan. on a jury once. How was it? I mean, uh, did you did you feel like you did you feel like you had done your duty as a citizen? I mean, I, I just wonder
3: because uh, I'm always rejected. Um I actually am probably one of the few people on the face of the planet that called the courthouse and said, I know jury selection is random and everything, but I've been a registered voter here since I was 18 and I am 41 years old and I've never been called for jury duty. What's up with that? And the lady said, are you really complaining? (laughs) (laughs) And um, so I went and I sat on this jury, and there wasn't a doubt in my mind that the piece of shit that I sat on the jury for was absolutely guilty of everything he was charged with. There was not a doubt in my mind, Jan. Unfortunately, there was a guy on the jury that hated the state trooper that arrested the ass clown that was on trial. And this guy was just completely and totally against doing anything that would, in his mind, benefit this state trooper. It wasn't a benefit to the state trooper. It was a benefit to the 14-year-old girl and the 15-year-old girl. That's who it would have benefited. But no. So this fuck that has a problem with the police...
1: How do you even get picked for a jury if you have a problem with the police? Yeah,
3: Well, so he, you know, but because this guy had a hard-on for for the the trooper that arrested the guy. um, And, and, you know, Jan, this guy should have been buried underneath a fucking jail. Not in one. He should have been buried (laughs) underneath a fucking jail. Um, He got off on everything but the two charges that he freely admitted to the charges that he freely admitted to were mm-hmm. supplying alcohol to minors and supplying drugs to minors. Now let your mind go where these other charges were. And the piece of shit walked on them because a guy on the jury
0: um, Don't don't you have a mechanism over there for Judas reporting weird shit behavior like that to the court? Because you yep. do over here. yeah. And the judge can yep. uh, call for them to be removed, and one of the substitutes gets brought in.
3: Well, and the guy said, well, I don't believe he was guilty of that. If if he was guilty, he would have admitted to it, like what? he did the other two charges. Are you fucking kidding me?
1: It must be me.
3: Yeah, it was, I was, I was just, I was so, so very angry. So very angry. Um... So yeah, my experience in sitting on a jury um, proved to me that fucked up people will let other fucked up people get away with Again. horrible things, right. horrible things, just mm-hmm. because they have...
1: Right. Again, isn't this an argument for having a well-educated juror? Isn't this an argument for that? Picking the best candidate you can, not Joe Dirt. And I'm sorry. Well, it must, it must any be said the prosecutor in
0: that case was an idiot if he let somebody like that get on the jury. <laughs>
1: but I did seriously. You know, yeah. they cross examine you pretty good. Yeah. I know. So I, I just I don't understand why you wouldn't want an educated juror. If if you get charged with a crime and by chance your case actually goes to jury trial, don't you want Educated men and women making the decision about what's going to happen to you.
0: Now, yeah. Also, also, you really what you want is a jury that's made up of um, a range of people, but that's not what happens these days. The, because of the lawyers who are the ones picking the juries, there will always be blocks that most juries will end up with. Six people that are basically pro-prosecution and about six that are pro-defence. And that's mm-hmm. not how it should be. It should mm-hmm. be people with open minds who can mm-hmm. sit there and make a decision. But, yeah, lawyers don't like that.
3: No. Well, the, the two... see so you, you go over in here, you go over and you sit in this thing and and if the first... The first case, if they dismiss you as a juror, then you go and you still sit there about the rest of the cases that are coming up before the courts. And, and I do have to admit that I was not selected um, for several DUI, several meaning two, for uh, several DUI cases because they said, you know, can you look at this with an open mind? And I said, no, I absolutely cannot. They they were drinking and driving. They caused an accident that harmed innocent people. They belong in jail. And they 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 you know asked me to please step outside.
1: <laughs> um, it's actually it's almost five of so I don't want to I don't want to start anything else. So um, just. Jeannie, you've been a mall
3: rat the past couple of days. How is it dealing with the general public this time? No, no, no. No, or... no, 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 Mall rat my ass. <laughs> I went... We worked my, husband. my husband and I went to the one store, and then the next night, he gets me in the mall under the pretense of, let's run to Olean and pick up my medicine, and we'll get dinner. <laughs> how, the how, how the How does the mall tie fuck I ended up in the mall? I have no dinner. idea. I ended up in the mall. So, oh yeah. You no, know, um... Yeah, it's really bad. And let me tell you what. Parents parents need beat to death in some time. Because I had to tell you this, Jen. So, the mall. So, the mall here had some guy in the middle of it that was renting out these, these, um, they were like the motorized shopping carts you see, except mm-hmm. these were animals. And you could rent these animals and ride them around the mall. Animal what cart go wrong with this?
1: Oh, so much. So <laughs> it was like a, a little teenage Mart cart animal
3: demolition derby. Yeah, pretty much. Now, had I, you know, I was just a patron of the mall. I was not a store owner, but let me tell you what. If I had paid the exuberant amount of money that they want to set up one of the, the things in the middle of the mall, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? The little Kosex kiosk, however you say that word.
1: Yeah, kiosk, the little wagon things,
3: kiosk. Yeah, one of those. I think I'd have been really pissed that this asshole down at the <laughs> end got paid to provide something that destroyed my products. I think I would be really pissed about that. Let alone the fact that parents were using them as entertainment value for their kids. They went down and handed the guy 20 bucks. They put their kid on one of these things. They went fucking shopping and left <laughs> this little asshole kid unattended on a motorized car in the middle of a fucking mall. Really? <laughs> you know, um, so does that tell you how my experience in the mall was, Jan? That kind of does, actually. This is why I hid in the corner of a bench behind a vending machine and vape. I should have took some of them and 12 with me there, too. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> You're equating this show with the mall. No, 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 no. I'm equating <laughs> <laughs> the, the level of annoyance with, with, the, with the horrible shit that you have to tell everybody every week that we really need to know. That doesn't mean I like that information, Jan, <laughs> but I do admit that I need to know it. Those little <laughs> assholes, completely different bugging.
0: <laughs> I, put, I, put I put a link in the chart for you.
1: Robert Sparkles, let's go to the mall.
0: Yeah. I don't... Couldn't resist.
3: Oh, that's from from um, the the...
0: How I Met Your Mother.
3: mother. Yeah. Yeah. There, I got it.
1: You know, see, I don't watch a lot of TV, so I didn't know what that was from.
3: Ah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't. Neil Patrick Harris is on there, and I think he's funny as shit, so.
1: Uh-huh.
3: That's why I watched oh, it.
1: Well, um, I think, like, the last thing, I've, I've watched two, three shows in their entirety since the last five years. Big Bang Theory's one, um... Uh, I've actually started watching iZombie just because it's good brain-dead TV. Uh, and, um, there's just, there's a couple of shows I watch. I mean, most of them stream on Amazon. Uh, Man in the High Castle was very good. Chilling, but good. Uh, Mr. Robot, very good. Frightening, but very good. Um... And did those we, are about the only ones I watched.
3: Hmm? Speaking of the man in the high castle, did we cover on here that the, 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 what's his face in New York had made the subway commission pull all those the advertisements for that? No. What's did you read f- that?
1: Yeah. I, but I think that was, it was a time where I was, um, actually trying to get people to mobilize against SISA, which that didn't work. So yeah. it, it, you've got to pick. Every week I have to sort through all this crap and pick.
3: Well, I have to tell you, that asshole is why I ended up watching that show. Yeah. It's, it's, okay, it's seven.
0: Okay, I'll see if I can get Alex.
3: Okay. I'm going to mute
1: now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> go and calm wise, down, w- Jeannie. Yeah.
1: The wise woman mutes. Maybe she can go get her, her, her 12 and. Yeah. Sub
0: Evening, Alex. Hi, Alex. How's it going?
1: Good. Uh, Good evening, and welcome to the Cassant Update for the week of 12-14-2015. What's going on this week, Alex?
4: Um, Well, this is kind of an exciting week for us, I guess. Um,
2: Yeah, it
4: is. We have uh, Julie, Carl, and uh, Brian Carter are all headed to... uh, OIRA, Ira tomorrow. Yeah. Uh we have our meeting at one o'clock and we'll be presenting uh our report as well as um a very large stack of I believe it's seven thousand six hundred testimonials off of our cool. site. Yay. Um so that should be should make for some very uh, wonderful pictures. Mm-hmm. Um and uh and yeah, everybody's nervous and excited, and uh, so that would be uh, that would be great. Um, we don't. Our, our comment, of course, is not posted up, but we will be, I believe, posting that up at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not entirely sure. Um, so that's happening, um, yeah. and then today, it seems like in the past couple of maybe business days, um, Twitter has come alive with talks about the budget bill. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw a couple people active today. Um, at least one of the usual suspects, uh, I think American Lung Association, <sighs> warning lawmakers that my, my favorite headline is, uh, Republicans are trying to sneak in, sneak in, uh, language to weaken FDA's regulatory authority over new tobacco products. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and of course, and of course, my response to that has been, it's 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 hard to call this sneaking when consumers are openly lobbying their lawmakers <laughs> to support this this language. Yep. Um, so uh, yeah, the typical spin machine is up and, and running, and um, of course, I. I had just read something this evening. Uh, I think CQ Roll Call had put something out that um, they're not very confident that they're going to meet their deadline of midnight tonight. Um, so this could drag on. Uh, you know, we, we've managed to kind of, uh, of course, you know, I just said all of that not sneaking stuff. That I'm about to follow it up with. <laughs> You know, this this language has managed to fly under the radar for a while, Um, and it's kind of one of those things where, in a budget bill, a provision that says an agency can't spend money, um, you know, that's almost a no-brainer. I mean, it's not not an across-the-board positive, but, um, Mm -hmm. you know, budget bills are usually lots of appropriations, which makes it hard to balance a checkbook, so... um, Mm -hmm something in there that says your agency is not going to get any funding to enforce this grandfather date. Um, You know, I think to a lot of fiscal conservatives and and even some uh, Pennywise Democrats, that's probably kind of a a bonus. Um, So uh, anyway, um, yeah, the last couple of weeks there's been a lot of chatter about this language and uh, you had actually posted a link to, Um, dig it up here. Uh, It's just the first. Is that where's (laughs) that coming from? Is that somebody's ringtone?
1: Maybe. (laughs) It's 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 great.
4: Yeah. Um. So yeah, there's uh the the one site that you shared with me was uh this. You know, the other side obviously has their their uh, advocacy stuff. Up and running, and of course, they're framing this as um, you know, (laughs) I just wish they could, uh, you know, openly state what they're actually saying. Yeah, in a sense, we have to ban all electronic cigarettes in order to save children from flavors. That's (laughs) what it boils down to is that Um,
1: flavors for children they might enjoy life. I'm sorry.
4: Well, yeah, and it's just the idea that a flavored product is exclusively marketing to children is absurd. Um, You know, in the same kind of span of, you know, maybe 15 minutes looking on Twitter, I found another guy that happens to be uh, a a pastry chef or just a a food enthusiast. I'm not sure. But, um, of course, posting mouthwatering pictures of, you know, sweet and savory pastries um, Mm -hmm. that... uh, but, you know, I mean, obviously, they're trying to draw children into some sort of TV and pastry abusing lifestyle. That's the only explanation <laughs> for putting chocolate chips on a cookie. Um, so, um, yeah, don't uh, no one should be lulled into a sense of security that you know, we've gotten this far with this language and, you know, whatever. Um, yeah. So all, all of that to say we do have a call to action up for this and everybody should, should please take advantage of it. Um, and then we we put something out last, is it last Friday? Not this past Friday, but it was like the, the Friday before that. Right. Um, we did a follow Friday and, um, I'm actually looking at a, uh, I'm going to get into this. I haven't read the full article, and I just started checking out this blog because it's part of the kind of advocacy package that we use um, that is, of course, produced by CPU Roll Call. Um, And uh, it it talks about how to use Twitter for your advocacy efforts. This is something that I'll probably develop um, in the coming weeks. But right. uh, just a kind of a quick tip for anybody who is Twitter savvy or wants to be Twitter savvy. Um, so a couple of Fridays ago, we put out a follow Friday kind of call to action. It's sort of fun, but it really does have a serious purpose. And that is mm-hmm. if, if everybody who vapes, who is on Twitter, um, especially Americans, um, follows at the very least your senators your representative um and of course follow your uh follow their kind of staff people which is the new mm-hmm. twist that i didn't really put into this right um and then of course a lot of people who vape and are on social media especially on twitter you have some sort of description in your bio about how you vape and how vaping's great usually mm-hmm. your your feed is littered with with positive vaping information. Um, Not that your Senator or representative is going to go and check out your page and be like, Oh, this guy's really into vaping. That's cool. I don't think they, I don't think they really have time for it. They've got a staffer that manages their account. But um, the idea is to show them that, you know, vapors are really out there uh, and we are engaged. We are paying attention to what you're doing. Um, And, you know, probably one of the most valuable things to a lawmaker is someone who is engaged, someone who is following them and, and following their updates and so on. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of it's 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 equal parts sort of, you know, we're we're watching you and also, uh, you know, it, it's kind of a compliment in a way. It's it's supportive yeah. and also kind of a, a very uh, kind of a strong reminder. Um, so it, it, that's one of those things that I think people should sort of start exercising, you know, exercise your social media presence and, and use that power for good. Um, and then of course, you know, going forward now that we're, you know, we're getting people connected via social media to these lawmakers, um, when we have an issue, uh, you know, people should be easily directed to, uh, posting a tweet mentioning that lawmaker or their staff and their staff
2: mm-hmm.
4: and um a lot of times uh you know the staff will look to social media to see who is talking about a particular bill or an issue and and get some feedback from from social media mm-hmm. um so to a lot of people you know talking about your day or your salad or that you know goofy looking guy you saw at the gas station in 140 characters you know is kind of silly and fun but um, you know for those that aren't aware uh, you know policymakers do actually refer to social media and it is uh, taken somewhat seriously so yeah. um, I think uh, going forward and yeah, I think I've Kind of been bringing this up for a while now. i mean i used to do the fight fear right to make daily action plan um so you know it is a very serious advocacy tool and, and we can more effectively use it um and so anybody who's uh listening to this update we, we did put out that call to action and um by all means go back and refer to it it's also posted up on the fight for your right to the daily action plan um and uh uh you know go follow some senators um you
1: know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good to know. That it's good for them to know they're being watched. It changes how they act.
4: Yeah. So. Yep. And so, um, I, oh, over the weekend, uh, well, maybe not over the weekend, but in the past few days, we did pick up a couple of more sponsors on HR 2058. Mm-hmm. Um. And, uh, that's just, that's, that's that. That's not a very, <laughs>
1: well, no, uh, it's, I, it's, it's good. It means that people are paying attention and engaging their lawmakers. That's always positive news.
4: Yep. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, I have a, well, a couple of things.
2: Okay.
4: Um, we haven't gone full tilt. I'll, I'll go with the, the state legislation. Um, new Jersey is looking at a tobacco 21 bill. Uh, so for those who are unfamiliar with tobacco 21, uh, this is a new policy movement kind of throughout the world to raise the age to smoke to uh, 21. Mm-hmm. And uh, this includes all tobacco products, cigarette smokeless tobacco and electronic cigarettes. Um, so, uh, New Jersey is the most recent state, uh, I guess, Hawaii passed, uh, tobacco 21 legislation, yeah. uh, earlier this year. Uh, New Jersey is kind of fast on their heels. Uh, it passed out of committee. I believe it needs to go to the assembly. Um, so just something for people to be aware of. We haven't really jumped on tobacco 21 legislation in the past because, It's been a very difficult thing to argue, um, Mm -hmm. and trying to it it just it is complicated. uh, Trying to get amendments, trying to communicate amendments in very short sentences uh, Mm -hmm. is is is, is a very difficult communication problem. So,
3: here is the thing: (laughs) I think nationally, we have to decide when a person is an adult. And when they're not, and that needs to apply across the board, not okay. Well, at 18 you're this much of an adult, and at 21 you're this much of an adult, and then you've got okay, well, but yet you know you're not really an adult until you're until you're 26 for insurance. They there has to be a point that is even keel across the board, and there's not. That would be my argument to the the tobacco 21 which was the same thing that I felt when they changed the drinking age to 21. And I still don't believe the drinking age should be 21.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: No, I mean, yeah. I, I'd, I'd agree with that. That makes sense. But, you know, you're talking about lawmakers. So.
4: I, I think, you know, I'm not as familiar with the science as I could be. Um, I, I think I understand, at least, you know, in terms of young people, You know, young people developing habits, no matter what they are, whether it's biting your nails or using a nicotine product, um, you know, you're more likely to carry that habit through your adult life. Um, I I understand that concept, my own experience with with substance abuse and, of course, smoking. Um, But, uh, you know, I think the really misguided part of the Tobacco 21 legislation is that it lumps all nicotine and tobacco products into smoking. And, and a lot of times th- th- these bills are not being passed with sort of a grandfather date involved. So, you know, if you're 18 years old and you're using a legal product, you are an adult. Um, and it, it doesn't matter that you maybe started smoking at 15. When that led Legislation passes. Now your options are even more limited. You're you're left to either uh, break the law. Uh, You know, in some of these cases, possession is is a finable offense. Um, Mm -hmm. Certainly, buying cigarettes or nicotine products for somebody under the age of 21 is a finable offense. I think in New Jersey, they're proposing a thousand dollars. So, you know, what's what, what what does a parent do what is what does a, a concerned friend do for their 19 year old friend or son or daughter who you know it, who maybe does want to stop smoking but because of the law they just have to stick with the gum and the patch and things that you know we know have a, an astronomical failure rate um, you know that just that doesn't seem fair to throw those people on the bus like that and uh, and that's that's you know, as CASA, we're not, we're just not going to take up the smoking argument. I understand how people feel about that, but that's just not, we just don't represent the interests of combustible cigarettes. Um, and, and so we argue more on the side, exclusively on the side of smoke free products. Um, but I do tend to agree, you know, when I'm 18, uh, you know, the, the crimes that I might, might commit my uh responsibilities to my country and my community all of that changes i become an adult i have an adult voice um and and i should be allowed to make adult decisions um so i you know i i certainly agree with all that stuff it's just in terms of us making that argument it's it really is limited to the low risk smoke-free access you know mm-hmm. um So it's again, it's an argument that I think we've been working on developing. And and so I I think we're becoming a little bit more comfortable bringing that to, um, you know, opportunities to take action. And this being a growing phenomenon, and this is this is one of those things that's absolutely going to start at the local level. Um, There's already, I think, 10 municipalities in New Jersey that had implemented Tobacco 21 laws. We're seeing this in Missouri. Uh, Kansas City, Missouri implemented a tobacco 21 law uh, obviously we've seen Hawaii um, <clears throat> so uh, areas in yeah.
1: Massachusetts, yeah
4: yeah, I mean last year we were talking about taxes being the big thing um, yeah. ag- again, I'm certain that we'll see more vaping tax proposals uh, in 2016 uh, probably even, even more than we saw in 2015 but uh, uh, yeah tobacco 21 is going to be a big one going forward so um uh you know we're we're going to be working on our effective arguments against that um so yeah that's uh that's new jersey and new jersey is passing a, a child resistant packaging law um which is as far as i'm concerned is a good thing uh I, I don't know if it was amended to deal with some labeling but um i do know it was child resistant packaging. So. We're following those two pieces of legislation, and, and uh, if there's ever if there's an opportunity to jump in on that, we'll let people know. Right. Um, and so, yeah. Uh, moving right along. Speaking of popular things to introduce into bodies of policymaking, um, El Monte, California, is looking at an indoor use ban. For multi-unit residences, um, and I do want to read this definition of smoking because it does deserve to be read into the record. Um, it's one of those long, comprehensive things, um, and this this is off of draft language provided by Change Lab Solutions, um, uh-huh. which I I had never really understood. What Change Lab Solutions was, other than sort of an aggressive anti fund type advocacy order organization, right. but they are—it's they're lawyers. It's a—it's a legal thing, uh, and they're—it's a non nonprofit. It's a legal nonprofit uh, funded by the California Department of Public Health. <laughs>
1: so, so Change Lab Solutions, which masquerades as its own entity, is a arm of the government set up to help people lobby the government?
4: Uh the not I don't think you would technically say they are an arm of the government. They are a non profit. Um, they are funded
1: uh, by the government to lobby the government. They are
4: funded by the California Department of Public Health <sighs> uh according to the description given in this city council's agenda. Um so yeah, there's something ethical I think in there that needs to be looked at. I mean, of course, they are lawyers, but uh, Mm -hmm. whatever. Um, Anyway, uh, their definition of smoke in this draft legislation is smoke means the gases, particles, or vapors released into the air as a result of combustion, electrical ignition, or vaporization when the apparent or usual purpose of the combustion, electrical ignition, or vaporization is human inhalation of the byproducts except when the combusting or vaporizing material contains no tobacco or nicotine and the purpose of inhalation is solely olfactory or congestion relief, such as, for example, smoke from incense or vapor from a congestion-relieving vaporizer. The term smoke includes, but is not limited to, tobacco smoke, electronic cigarette vapors, and marijuana smoke. However, smoke shall not include marijuana smoke when the person smoking holds a valid current medical marijuana identification card issued by the California Department of Public Health, which identifies the relevant person authorized to engage in the medical use of marijuana. So, kids, to review, marijuana smoke, magically, is not really smoke if you have a prescription. Um, which, to me, just, that, that smacks of the whole, you know, like remember back in the I don't know. Was it at the beginning or the end of alcohol prohibition where they allowed doctors to prescribe alcohol?
1: Well, it was actually somewhere in the middle, Um, somewhere in the middle. Yeah. I mean, and it's not like many of them did. Um, If you want an interesting perspective on that, there's an article out there called the chemists war. Just if you're curious about the way the government reacted to prohibition, it's pretty interesting stuff as an aside. Sorry
4: so um thank you for that and uh send me send me the title and the link because i'm gonna forget in the next five minutes um uh hazards of the modern age um but uh yeah so the definition of smoke is uh egregious and um also just to give you an idea you might think Uh, If you are one of the 23 CASA members that lives in El Monte, California, that this isn't such a bad idea because you can just go outside in your patio. (laughs) Negative. Um, Mm -hmm. That is considered part of the uh, common area. And that's not the common area, but this includes private patios, porches, decks, balconies, all that stuff that's attached to your unit. So... So you don't. You can't mm-hmm. vape in your apartment or condominium. You can't go out on the back porch. You have to leave the building entirely. And I believe there's some mention of a buffer zone. So technically, this is indoor and outdoor <laughs> regulation of where you can vape. Um, and in California, at least, I think <laughs> I everybody's laughing. Um, in California, I know I've- this is in, in California, and I think there was another. There was a similar uh, proposal in Hawaii. Um, it, it's uh, this is another trend that we will see. And of course, HUD uh, introduced I'm their uh, prohibition of, of, of smoking, and of course, whether or not they're going to include electronic cigarettes in that uh, in public housing buildings, which if you've ever been to New York City, there's a lot of them. Um, mm-hmm. And of course, those, that's where mostly you know people on the lower economic strata live. Uh, and, and they are the ones that disproportionately, you know higher smoking rates, um, so you know thanks for disadvantaging those folks yet again. Um, so uh, I'm going to work on something, but there's a public hearing in El Monte uh, tomorrow at 6 p.m. Pacific. Um, I forget what item this is on the agenda, but uh, I will be putting out a call to action for this later this evening.
1: Okay, excellent. I, I just love the the magical way they deal with smoke. Right. That's that's awesome. That is awesome. And and I just love how it's an indoor slash outdoor band. So did they wind up... See, I, I kind of wonder if they wind up covering whether you can vape in your car there, too.
4: Um. Not in this ordinance. Not in this, this one yet? This, this is confined to uh, multi-unit residences.
1: Yeah.
4: Uh, that, I guess that's next. Oh. Like, while we're on Maybe I'll stop
1: with the good ideas.
4: <laughs> yeah, it's totally your fault.
1: Oh, of course it is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh, these people are ridiculous.
3: They're ridiculous.
1: Just saying. Um, California has some of the worst language and now we know how much of it comes from change.
4: Yeah.
1: It's a shame. It really is because California is like a Mecca for vaping. Yeah. So many spots. uh, You can't go five miles without running into 10 or 12 shops. It's just sad.
4: (laughs) Or encouraging, depending on how you look at it. Well,
1: no, no. I mean, it's sad that they want to take that alternative away from people.
4: Oh yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, but uh, it, and I'm sure that everybody has seen this splashed all over social media. Um, obviously, more confirmation based on uh, CDC numbers, actually, that uh, I think what was one of the figures, I'm not even going to quote the article, but um, something like 55% of Americans who quit smoking in the past year uh, used electronic cigarettes. Um, of course, the continuing decline in the smoking rate—all um, of these things, somewhat attributable to uh, vapor products. So, um, you know, this this positive information can't come out soon enough. And uh, I hope, I hope, as you know, more data becomes available. Um, you know, it just gives it gives us more accurate information to uh, fight back against these ridiculous policies.
1: Great. Is that it for this evening, Alex?
4: I think so. I was tempted to just put it out there. Um, yeah, I'll do it briefly. We've had a lot of we've had a little bit of discussion in our Facebook group about sharing negative articles, um, and this is something that has been a conversation for probably a couple of years, more than that, because i ended up ECF used to require you to break links to mm-hmm. bad science or bad articles. Um, yeah. And so I think we're trying to kind of get that going in in our Facebook page as well. And in general, um, people should be leery of, sh- of sharing these articles. Um, there were a couple things that came out within the past day or two. I think Wired had something. Um, oh,
1: oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, they and, did.
4: And I mean, it's just it is such obvious clickbait. And this, you know, Wired has actually posted some very positive vapor stories in the past. Um, So, you know, it's Christmas time. Everybody's looking for a little bit of extra money. They got to buy those gifts. Um, And, you know, journalists are really no different than anybody else. And if you can make, uh, I don't know, if you can prove your worth a little bit more by generating some clickbait about a controversial product like e cigarettes, uh, why not? Um, So I'd strongly encourage everybody to you uh, to break the link screenshot it talk about it instead of linking to it um, and I think uh, there's
1: actually even a website that's like um, it links to a story without giving them a click
4: is that do not link do not link something like that
1: yeah
2: um,
4: so yeah if, if you're active in our Facebook group you probably see more of that um, please don't get discouraged or angry if we delete your post and replace it with something else um, we really are trying to um i think not generate any extra clicks for these horrible stories and um you know journalists and scientists should not be rewarded for horrible publications um Amen. so but you know share the hell out of the good stuff that's that's great
1: <laughs> yeah, i agree <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah so, we were actually talking earlier about how much lazy journalism there's been in regards to this stuff and it's really sad yeah um so yeah absolutely don't don't uh spread that stuff around yeah. we don't need more of it we need more of the good stuff
4: so with that i think that brings us to around 30 minutes and okay. uh uh just uh yeah everybody uh wish julie and carl and brian good luck tomorrow and so, uh hope, hopefully we'll have something something good to report yeah that's that
1: excellent fingers crossed Thank you for everything you do for us Alex and um thank you to everyone who listens. Um if you've not joined Casa, please consider going to casa.org and becoming a member. Um that way we can let you know when legislation impending legislation that could affect you is happening and help you to fight against it. Um and thanks for everything you do. Good night. Thanks. Good Night. Yeah. it's funny nobody likes wired anymore can't <laughs> can't really say blame. i was really mad with them i mean yeah and a lot of their their technical stuff is technically correct you know we talk so much about hacking and hackers and and computer exploits and stuff that it's really hard to find good accurate information and um, now that I'm excluding wired from my sources it's not exactly easy so I said we were going to talk a little bit about the snoopers charter <laughs> <laughs>
0: well,
1: what exactly is Theresa May thinking
0: thinking yeah no there's no thinking
1: okay we well, you, you can see where I am right. <clears throat>
0: I'm uh, yeah.
1: um, at the dollhead story? <laughs> yeah. Okay. UK may approve bill allowing spying on individuals via their kids' toys. Anybody remember Hello Barbie? Okay. British government's new investigatory bill, the A.K.A. the Snooper's Charter, has a proposal on making it legal to hack smart toys in order to allow investigators to get pry on suspects. I love British wording. It's so elegant. A few weeks back, an expert, Matt Jabrowski, showed how Wi-Fi-enabled Hello Barbie can be used to reveal Wi-Fi network name, account ID, and MP3 files, though spying on people via smart devices has been in discussion for a long time now. One of the many measures in discussion. This strategy could be one of many measures governments around the world are trying to track down cyber that okay the strategy could be one of many measures governments around the world use to track down cyber criminals and terrorists according to anthony walker deputy chief executive officer of tech uk smart tools can be a handy tool for the government to help in major investigations In the context of the Internet of Things, you have many types of connected devices, such as toys that children can interact with, Mr. Walker said at the the second session on the Investigatory Powers Bill. These devices may sit in a child's bedroom, but they may be accessible. In theory, the manufacturer of the products could be subject to a warrant to enable equipment interference with those devices. He also explained why these measures are important to the 21st century. We are moving beyond a world that is just about telephony, accessing message services, and so on, he told the BBC. In an IoT-type world, the definitions that seem to apply to equipment seem to apply potentially to a huge range of devices that could be used for communications purposes and other purposes as well. Earlier this month, a Chinese company, VTech, dealing in electronic toys faced a massive data breach in which 4.8 million parents and children's details were stolen. The hacker then later released a series of headshot images of children with their parents. Okay, Um, so that's frightening. So you know that can happen. But back to that bill. The bill has also made it a legal duty for all internet service providers to spot law enforcement agencies in hacking smart devices like smart toys. The most important clause the draft bill has is that the government can ask for the a break to end-to-end encryption from private companies at any time and the companies have to oblige. The new bill is arriving at a time when the United Kingdom is facing cyber attacks at unprecedented levels. The TalkTalk breach of 4 million customers' data shows the vulnerable cyber infrastructure of the country. However, it is too early to say if the spying powers will be limited to tracking down cyber criminals or will be used to invade people's privacy. Ooh, ooh who bets on the second one? <laughs> <laughs>
0: I don't gamble on certainties.
1: I know it's ridiculous. I mean, Hello Barbie was bad enough. We talked about that before. Smart TVs. Yeah. Oh my God. Jeannie won't allow them in her home now. Poor poor Bernie. (laughs) Yeah, he must. He must really hate me. Bernie must really hate me.
3: (laughs) No, he got he got Hulu or he got a Roku out of that deal. Oh, I love did, Roku. Yeah. They have—they actually have Roku TVs now, and they're actually really nice. Yeah, well, Bernie didn't need a smart TV. All he needed was his mom to buy him a Roku, so she did. Ah.
0: Okay. And... Well, the whole—the whole privacy thing. Yeah. Well, I, for the show, I mentioned I got a new phone. Mm-hmm. Chinese. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the first things I did when I got hold of it was get rid of the Android ROM that was on it and put <laughs> my own one on because the original one was meant for the Chinese market. So not only has it got all the normal spy stuff on there to grab all your data, it has Chinese government software on it to grab (laughs) all your data. So yeah, that went quick. Um, (laughs) Well,
1: I mean, at least you have your own custom ROM. That's got to be helpful.
3: Well, but I mean, we're talking... Okay, so a couple things that strike me about this article, okay? okay? One... What kind of sick fuck hacks into little kids' toys? Okay, well, VTech so, doesn't
0: just do kids' toys. But, yeah. but
3: there's that. But well. no, but these six bucks hacked into these kids' toys vary because they posted kids' pictures all over yeah. the place. So yeah, what kind of act. sick fuck taps into a kid's toy to steal have, shit? Then well, I mean, haven't you see, seen the baby
1: monitor hacking?
3: No. You see oh my god, really?
1: I don't have any babies. To, to, to all morons out there, I'm sorry, to all less than educated people, please let me give you a little bit of advice. When you get a new device, do not leave the default password as password. Please change it to something a little more difficult. You or will admin, protect your child's
3: admin? privacy. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I mean, seriously, what, what kind of sick. Oh, there's that. Secondly, Right. How fucked up is our government that they've thought, you know what, let's use their children's toys to spy on them. That makes them just as sick as the sick, twisted fuckers that hacked into little kids' toys to post pictures of little kids. No, now, in, uh, um, in my opinion,
0: folks, it makes the government worse yes. because they're deliberately getting the companies to put a back door in, well, which right. means hackers it, will find easier ways of also getting ha- in.
1: You're right, you know they're and they're disabling encryption they're they're making us less safe to make it more convenient and easy to spy on us,
3: yeah, and so that pedophiles can you know get video from your kid's leap pad and while they're in their bedroom getting dressed at night in their bedroom where they should feel safe and secure, you are now helping th- the sick, twisted people. To have access to your children that they should never have. This is just seriously messed up, Jim. Seriously messed up. I swear oh. to God, this entire show is sending
5: me to the planet oh, And my-
3: you know what? We haven't even, like, really talked about anything bad.
1: We've focused on, like, First Amendment. I haven't even gone off on Fourth Amendment anything yet. Normally, and- I go off on the Fourth Amendment and stay off on that for the whole
3: show. Was I, like, disconnected for the last show? Was I not? I, I, the last show did not send me through the roof like this. I don't know why this is. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know. And it, the information doesn't seem very much
1: different to me. I mean, it's the same thing, right? Government snooping, government spying, government weakening, encryption. Um, you know, maybe, you know, maybe next next show I'll probably do a your tax dollars at work show. That That should only piss you off mildly.
2: Seventy-five <laughs> percent wastage.
0: Most government departments. Oh no shit! Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, Jan,
3: I don't ever want you to change your show. Not, not ever. Um, you know, and I sit here and I scream and I holler. You, you need to understand something, Jan. I am so thankful to you for all of the research that you do to put out this information every week. I should be pissed off about this stuff all the time. But unfortunately, I don't know about it until you tell me. So don't ever stop telling me, Jan. Ever.
1: All right. You asked for it. You're going to be sitting in an old folks' home someday, and I'm going to be reading (laughs) you the list of what fucked up thing the government's doing now, and you're not going to be happy. That's okay. Well, we'll probably both be sitting next to each other. You'll be, like, throwing your pudding at me. Shut the fuck up.
0: Hey, G- genie. Genie has extra security concerns to worry about, you know, because she's already a cyborg. They'll probably get around a load in her or something. Yeah. Oh
3: god. Oh yeah, it's so funny. Uh, yeah, because Taz and I often Taz and I have this this little thing when we see each other. It means that you know we're going to see if our remotes we can adjust each other. <laughs> because Taz has one too, and it's by the same manufacturer. Um, so yeah. Um, Taz and I could throw each other into spasmatic fits on the floor the um, thankfully so, you don't yeah, I'd be really upset if somebody could hack into that and change my programming because what if somebody went in there and decided that oh she doesn't need these settings to be this high let's just turn the shit all the way down um,
1: that would be you bad do, you, do, you do realize and I mean you do realize how vulnerable our medical equipment is right Oh,
0: yeah. Well, yeah it's, none of that shit's encrypted.
3: None of it's encrypted. None of it's secure. Um, I'm I'm just telling you, I would seriously harm somebody that messed with the programming on my smart simulator. You. I I really would. I would seriously harm somebody if not put them to death.
1: I don't blame you. I don't. I I just I'm just saying. I mean, none of that really that stuff is really secure. Um, yeah. you know, I just I love these people that are using Windows ninety eight for this shit. All thanks, Barry. Yeah. Thanks for going off on that. Okay. So we're going to go right back to we're going to talk about the UK again.
0: So this is about copyright
1: copyright law.
0: Oh god, (laughs) it's a mess.
1: It is. It is a freaking mess. UK citizens may soon need licenses to photograph some stuff they already own. Changes to the UK copyright law will soon mean that you may need to take out a license to photograph classic designer objects, even if you own them. That's the result of the Enterprise and Regulatory Reform Act 2013, which extends copyright of artistic objects like designer chairs from 25 years after they were first marketed to 70 years after the creator's death. In most cases, that would be well over 100 years after the object was designed. During that period, taking a photo of the item will often require a license from the copyright owner regardless of who owns a particular object in question. The UK government is holding a consultation into when this change should enter into force after a six-month, three-year, or five-year transitional period. An article in the bookseller puts the starting date as October 2016 without citing a source. In any case, the change is definitely coming, and it'll likely be quite soon. Similar to the recent announcement that it is once again illegal to make private copies of music you own, It is unlikely the public will pay much attention to this latest example of copyright being completely out of touch with how people actually use digital technology. But for professionals, the consequences will be serious and not so easily ignored. Photographers, for example, photographers, for example, will need to worry about whether any of the objects in a picture they are taking is covered by copyright, in which case it will be necessary to obtain a license to include them in the photo. And judging by its comments in the document accompanying the consultation on this issue, the UK government is not very sympathetic to the plight of photographers. Quote, The government considers photographers and image libraries already bear the costs for time and administration when assessing whether they need to obtain clearance when photographing other artistic works, such as sculptures or paintings. In other words, tough. Another group likely to be hurt by this major copyright extension publishers of books with pictures of designer objects, is also being told to like it or lump it. The digital reader spoke with Natalie Kurtowski, Associate Director for Legal and Business Affairs at the well-known publisher Thameson Hudson, and she did not mix messages. The government has actually said, you are collateral damage in a very sanguine, offhand way. The dark end of the spectrum would be to take books out of circulation and to have to pulp. Obviously, no one wants to look to that. Unfortunately, the alternative isn't much better. Licensing images retrospectively is likely to be a very expensive prospect in terms of actual license fees to rights shareholders, working out who actually owns the rights and the cost of getting picture researchers involved and people like me on the legal side, Kortosky told the reader. It seems likely the UK government really wants to reduce red tape, except when it comes to copyright. Then it's happy to increase the burden on thousands of companies and professionals and to see millions of UK citizens become lawbreakers without ever really knowing or caring so the next time you get the family photo album out, beware. Those old snaps might just show you're now breaking the law.
0: Yeah, Facebook and Twitter and Instagram <laughs> and... <laughs> oh, <know>. God. <laughs> I
3: know. What are they thinking? So you, if you bought a new chair, you can't post a picture of this awesome new chair you bought because... If it's a designer chair, no, you can't.
0: Yeah, if it's... um. If it's been copyrighted or trademarked, yeah, you won't be able to take a photo of it.
1: <laughs> Here's my new chair. Enjoy the, the crappy generic sheet
3: I threw over it.
0: You might be able to take a picture of the packaging. I don't know how that would work under the new law. Well, I don't know. That could be I mean, a if
3: you a picture of the chair on it, then yeah, maybe. Ah,
0: but that's an advertising thing. <laughs> So that's possibly already covered by the law you see that's this is where copyrights <laughs> fucking ridiculous. Um,
1: you know, <laughs> it's just stupid. Honestly, I mean, you know what's really funny? Um I think I mentioned that I watched the documentary on Aaron Swartz and it's called The Internet's Own Boy which was really is really well worth your time if you haven't seen it. Um without him we wouldn't have the copyright's fair use that we have. I mean, he started working on that when he was 12. He yeah. got all the definitions down, so we actually have fair use copyright. So things like the Casa Podcast can go from here to there or wherever without any problems. But why, why do governments insist on breaking something that the people have tried to fix?
3: Yeah. I mean, this just seems like an absolute train wreck waiting to happen. Because so, okay, um, you have satellite TV, okay, okay, and you have and you have a DVR, okay. and you have your DVR set to record your favorite shows, or you know the the the, oh, fuck, um, the the bathing suit show. What is that? I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh. God. Sports Illustrated? No, no, no. Well, that too, but, like, um... <laughs> the know. large great play place. Playboy Channel? No, and I can't think of any... <laughs> it's the <laughs> I don't know. store that's in all the big malls. Fredericks of Hollywood? No, the other one. Oh, Victory Seekers, that's what I'm Victoria talking about. Victory okay, Seekers, so oh. Any of the... All of that stuff would apply here. So, say, you know, you're some guy or woman or whoever that wants to watch this thing and you're recording it on your DVR. Well all images of any of their products are copyrighted and they do that on purpose so that so that China can't or well not necessarily China but so that the knockoff places in the United States can't you know take your pictures and copy your stuff and, and sell cheap knockoffs of your stuff on the, on the street corners in New York and you know in, in little China and in LA and all of that. So technically, if that was in the UK, you would be breaking the law because you were watching it? DVRing. You were recording their copyrighted material being Uh, shown.
0: Well, you see, DVRs um, are kind of odd anyway, because if you're recording television programs, technically you are already breaking the law. It's weird, I know. It sounds mad. But... (laughs) But in, sounds, most with, well, in most western countries In most western countries if you record a television program to watch later without the express permission of the people broadcasting <laughs> you're breaking the law. Oh,
3: <laughs> this you would. And I thought we were fucked up here.
0: No, no, we it's the same up where up. you are. it's all around <laughs> the world. That's yeah.
3: that's
1: around the world.
0: This um all this copyright and trademark stuff was all pushed through by the Big media companies, likes of oh, you know, yeah. Sony and Warner,
1: Warner Brothers. Yeah,
2: yeah.
0: And, yeah they and need to protect their profits. Yeah, Bastards. so. Literally, yeah. The copying music things being added back in in the UK, which I is mean, that, but, yeah. that's
1: ridiculous. You know, that's like them trying to shut down Pirate Bay. That's never really going to happen. No. I mean, they do it, and They're it's having just another like, stab yeah, right. this
0: week. I think, yeah.
1: And it pops back up. Yeah. And then you do it again, and it pops back. And it's just, it's such a, a futile. It really is a futile effort on their part because that's the thing. If there's if there's a way to do it, someone's going to find a way to do it. So why make patently dumb things illegal?
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll say um, there's a, there's a guy in uh, Sweden who can't ever leave Sweden. Well. He's the guy who wrote the software that can rip dvds films yeah. and, and it's not illegal to write the software but it's yeah illegal. he's he's one guy who god um yeah he can't leave there because otherwise you'll get whisked off to the united states and sued by sony and warner and yeah you
1: know <laughs> they have enough don't they have enough money I mean, economically and and this is the fucked up thing when you really look And I think we've talked about this before. You really look at the economy and where most of the money is, right? You figure, okay, so the Uber rich have like 70% and the rest of us have 30% to play with. We don't. They have like 91% and there's 9% for the rest of us. I mean, I don't think that they technically need more money, but I also really don't think money is what they think it is either. I mean, and I've talked about, you know, you really want to learn something about the economy. You really need to sit down and read stuff written by Adam Smith, who years before it was ever cool, talked about, you know, ways to stimulate the economy that were ethical. Adam Smith was a genius. And, you know, the problem with today and and money is that they don't really even discuss him in economics courses all you really learn are bits and pieces from adam smith's books when you really need to read the whole works and most people i know don't want to do that
3: Yeah. okay There's um something as long as we're talking about really stupid shit that, that goes on uh, <laughs> Well, because very <laughs> mentioned writing the, the guy that wrote the code to to rip your dvds yeah um now, you know, and and I can talk about this because I get, I get me personally, I get phone calls at my house about this. Um, okay. Evidently, when people can't get a hold of my husband at his job to bitch. Um, but there is this huge rash of people now, this copious amounts of people that are getting really obnoxious phone calls. Um You know people that are getting phone calls um from people bitching about their Christmas lights and you're offending me. I'm Jewish. I want you to take them down <laughs> and and um and the Amen. the weird thing is is they're these are coming up with phone numbers from their their next door neighbor or their sister or their mother okay <laughs> and but it's not these people. do you know that there are apps on the Apple? store and in google play and all of this that you can get you you can get for your smartphone where you can tell it what number and what name you want to show up on somebody's caller id when you call them yeah yeah and it's and the app is perfectly fucking legal it's not legal to use it it's legal to have it it's it's legal to
1: obtain it it's illegal to use it yeah i mean
3: but you can't prove But see, here's the thing. It tells the phone company the same exact information that it's got coming up on your caller ID.
0: Uh, No, not strictly speaking. true. Uh,
3: well, if you are not, it, it depends on the equipment. It's your telephone company. That's what it depends on. And that's what the fucked up part is. Because like, you know, our phone here at our house, we have a trap and trace on our phone line. Um, and yes, people, I still have a landline. Um, yeah, they exist. We have them. Um. But we have we have a trap and trace on our phone line. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just one of those things. Um, we had a friend come and stay with us that um, was getting out of a very violent relationship. And um, so she was staying here with us. And Paul put it on our line then. And it's been on our line ever since. Um, and I'm glad it's there. But what really disturbs me is when I look at my caller ID, that can quite possibly be false information. And there isn't a whole lot that I can do to prove that it's false information.
2: No.
1: Well, I mean, you know, if the NSA really is taking everything along with the GCHQ, then they could prove it.
0: Oh, the telephone companies can too. Every telephone has a unique signature, basically, whether it be a landline or a mobile. And the spoofing software and the anonymising software can't change the basic information programmed into the microchips. So, yeah, you can always be traced if they really want to find you. Um, That's what I mean. It kind of de- depends what the person's. The, the only way you can really get away with that sort of thing and be completely anonymous is to buy a just a phone you intend to throw away afterwards, which is what criminals do, funnily well, enough. Did,
1: did anybody see that story? Yeah. Uh, about No, no, no. Okay, so you know about the, the mobile phones, the 400 mobile phones that were bought from Walmart yeah. then, right? Okay. Do you know two weeks before what happened in the same town? what? Do you know what happened two weeks before in that same town? No. 400 canisters of propane were stolen.
0: Ooh, that doesn't sound Mm.
1: good. That doesn't sound good, does it?
0: No. High capacity batteries, mobile device, gas, yeah. Mm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's kind of fucked up. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think there's something wrong with we now live in a society where paying for something with cash is fucking suspicious. Okay, yeah. that that was obviously a suspicious purchase. But
0: Th- that one is kind of yeah odd.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it was bad. Um,
0: Since for, yeah, these days a mobile phone is the the easiest detonator you can buy. Um, yeah,
1: and of course, if you buy track phones, I mean, back in the day, track phones were that was how you laid low. You yeah. bought a track phone. You paid cash for it. You activated it at a library. And you never used your real name. Yeah, that was kind of how you kept in touch, but off the grid. It's not like that now. Okay, um, said I was going to talk about SISA, but and I will. And I won't get to this horrible story. But robots taking all our jobs because we all know I'm a luddite. Uh, weak encryption won't, develop, won't defeat terrorists, but it will enable hackers. After months and months of telling the American public that cybersecurity was the nation's number one priority and that it's impossible to overstate the threat from hackers, the FBI director and many senators spent Wednesday calling for a law that would indisputably weaken online security for everyone. In the name of fighting terrorism and emboldered by the terrorist attacks in Paris and San Bernardino, FBI director Jim Comey, was in front of Congress again, trying to scare Americans about the supposed dangers of encrypted messaging apps that are used by billions of people. Since Apple iPhones and Facebook's WhatsApp are now encrypted and to end meaning only the users can see what the messages say, and the company is locked out from the conversation, the director and others have claimed it prevents them from fighting crime. A dubious statement belied by evidence and common sense, but nonetheless embraced by the Senate panel. Kami has been insisting for years now that tech companies need to provide end-to-end encryption, need to re-engineer their systems to introduce vulnerabilities or backdoors, as they're commonly referred to, so that the government will never have to access these communications, will never not have access to these communications if they so demand it. Bizarrely, Kami told the Senate that whether or not tech companies decide to introduce backdoors in their encryption is not a technical issue, but it's a business model question. That's a strange thing to say, since a large group of the world's leading computer scientists wrote a paper explaining that it is a technical issue and that you can't create a backdoor without making everyone's communications more vulnerable to all sorts of hackers, whether they be private criminal elements or foreign governments. Apple CEO Tim Cook has repeatedly and strongly criticized those in the government who have demanded backdoors, explaining you can't have a backdoor in the software because you can't have a backdoor that's only for the good guys. And a representative of the many large tech companies recently remarked weakening security with the aim of advancing security simply does not make sense. Eighty five percent of cybersecurity experts recently surveyed by Politico called backdoors a bad idea. We know, for example, the NSA in particular loves to prey on foreign phone companies backdoors. No one, perhaps besides Senator Mike Lee, asked calmly any tough questions. We still don't know how to prevent China or Russia from following suit and also forcing tech companies to install backdoors if the U.S. leads the way. Now, we do know why the many, many other ways the FBI have to track terrorists aren't enough. And how does this gel with the FBI's cons- contention that we must do everything in our power to increase cybersecurity rather than decrease it? That, too, remains unexplained. Virtually all of the senators frowned all-over remarks and pledged to go even further than the fbi director wanted senator diane that feinstein ranking member on the powerful intelligence committee said she was working on a bill to outlaw such encryption tools she recently called encryption the bedrock for not only privacy and security but e-commerce and the entire web infrastructure the internet's achilles heel are these the type of technological illiterates we want crafting sweeping laws that will affect our technology for years? Even Kami admitted this type of law wouldn't stop terrorists from using encryption. After all, they've been using encryption for decades now. The top five encrypted applications, DASH, supposedly recommends to their followers are either open source, meaning the code is already all over the internet, made by companies in other countries, or both. As reported by Open Technology Institute, released yesterday, stated, when it comes to encryption, the horse is out of the barn, that ship has sailed, and the toothpaste isn't going back in the tube. The math and the technology is already out there. So basically what the FBI director is proposing is that we lower everyone's security for the applications that are popular with hundreds of millions of people, even if the terrorists will still be able to use encryption unimpeded. Is this really what we want to do all in the name of keeping us safe? Yeah. I won't even ask you your thoughts.
0: <laughs> well, I mention them quite frequently on this topic. Yeah. But yeah, you can't you can't put openings in and say you're doing it to increase security. That's like saying, Yeah, we built this amazing castle but to <laughs> increase its security we put this giant hole in the wall. <laughs> um
1: Yeah. I mean, it's it's ridiculous, and, you know, I told you I'd talk about Sysus, so I'm going to, and then I guess that'll be it for the night. I'm, I'm still really sad about my cat. I don't know. I don't know if my cat's going to make it to Christmas. I know nobody knew that until just now, but, yeah. Okay. Cyberbill's final language, likely to anger privacy advocates. Gee, Why? because they're always doing exactly what we want. They're our elected leaders, and they do what we tell them. Digital rights advocates are in an uproar, as the final text of a major cybersecurity bill appears to lack some of the privacy community's favorite clauses. In the last few weeks, House and Senate negotiators have been working unofficially to reach a compromise between multiple versions of a cyber bill that would encourage businesses to share more data on hacking threats with the government. The Senate passed its bill in October, while the House passed two complementary bills in April. In recent days, the two sides have revved up talks on merging the bills in the hopes of having a final text on President Obama's desk by the end of the year. It is believed an official conference could begin this week. And it now appears the final language is unlikely to include notable privacy provisions and protections that digital rights advocates and civil liberty groups insist are necessary to reduce the odds. The bill enables greater government surveillance. Many industry groups, a bipartisan coalition of lawmakers and even the white house have insisted a cyber bill is a necessary first step to better understanding and thwarting cyber attacks that have plagued the country in recent years. Many tech companies, technologists and privacy advocates argue the measure would simply shuttle more personal data on Americans to the National Security Agency just months after Congress voted to rein in its surveillance programs. It pushed for some late alterations they said would mitigate the bill's potential damage. The cyber bill's final text may confirm opponents' worst fears, according to multiple people both on and off Capitol Hill with knowledge of the negotiations. The Senate recently passed the bill known as the Cyber, cyber Information Secure Sharing Act. Sorry, SISA is expected to serve as the basis for the finished language. The compromise text will likely include elements from a bill that originated in the House Intelligence Committee, observers said. This completed product would mostly sideline the privacy advocates' preferred bill from from the House Homeland Security Committee. They believe the Homeland Security bill includes the strongest provision to protect people's sensitive data from falling into the NSA's hands. Specifically, the Homeland Security bill would give the greatest role to the Department of Homeland Security for collecting cyber threat data from the private sector and disseminating it throughout the government. It is believed the DHS is best suited to scrub data sets of personal information. The realization that the Intelligence Committee offerings would dominate the completed bill has sent some privacy groups into an 11th hour frenzy. We've just learned that the intelligence committees are trying to pull a fast one, Nathan White, senior legislative manager at Digital Rights Advocate Access, said in a recent email to supporters. They've been negotiating in secret and came up with a Frankenstein bill that has some of the worst parts from both the House and Senate versions. The group is trying to pressure Homeland Security Committee Chairman Michael McCall, a co-sponsor of this committee's bill, to take a stand. But several people tracking the negotiations negotiations believe McCall is under significant pressure from House Speaker Paul Ryan and other congressional leaders not to oppose the compromise text. They said lawmakers are aiming to vote on the final cyber bill as part of an omnibus budget deal that is expected before the end of the year. So, there's that. Yeah. I know, it's shocking. It's shocking. They said they were going to do the right thing and now they're trying to... Screw us again, no, no, the government doesn't do that,
0: and yeah, they're doing what they always do. They're taking another bill and slotting in bits of what they want into it,
1: well, I mean yeah. here they're they're gonna attach this bill to the spending omnibus that that yeah. vapors need to have pass. <laughs> it's lovely, Jesus yeah. Christ, they just you know <sighs> I think two years is the most these fuckers should serve. In any political office, and then they gotta go. Or maybe we need to quit it with allowing people to vote for people. You just get drafted to be a politician for a certain number of years, well, and you get what would be your base pay, and then you get the fuck out, and you get nothing.
0: What's the one? Is it Aldrinon Bergenon? The the sci-fi story where yeah. yeah, that that that's how it should be done. It's like although not quite to the extremes in that story, where <laughs> you're not allowed to be above average, um
1: well, no, but I mean, honestly, maybe it's just time to give up the idea that only rich white people should be allowed to rule over us, maybe we need to get past that bit of thinking, yeah. maybe we need to get past the bit of thinking that ordinary people aren't fit to do this sort of work because in the beginning, you know...
0: Ordinary people are more than capable of doing this sort of work. Ordinary people behave just like the politicians do, and do (laughs) stupid daft things all the time.
1: Yeah, but you know what, if you only had two years to do something, you could really only fuck up so much.
0: Yeah, but loads of the um, philosophical writers, sci-fi writers even, all agree that the last person who should be allowed to be in charge is the person who wants and to wants be in it. charge.
1: Yeah, they're all psychopaths. Yeah, and I'm really I'm sorry for if I offended anybody with that remark about uh, Feinstein, but um, she deserves it. So I
2: really that me. Bitch. Yeah.
1: <laughs> There are people who are actually offended when I say that word, and I know because I've heard from other people. Not th- no one tells me. That's because you know I'm still not you know big and famous. That's a good thing.
0: Well, look, look, look! Your language is fine. <laughs> if people get offended that easily, just show them some of Fergus's stuff, and yeah, <laughs> then their head'll explode, and no more problem. <laughs>
1: yeah. I like Fergus. Yeah. And I love the PC did destroying the mainstream media. Yeah. That needs to go that needs to be published in a major mainstream publication so that people's heads can fucking explode.
0: Yeah, and he was really polite in that one.
1: I know. <laughs> yes, but he just pointed out how bad mainstream journalism is.
0: Yeah, yeah. I shared yeah. it on Twitter, adding the comment, This will never be used as clickbait by a journalist. So.
1: <laughs> No, it won't, but it's truthful, yeah. and we need more of that, so there's that. And I, oh, oh, okay, um, ooh, one thing, visit the Tenth Amendment Center, dot com if you want to learn about nullification, since we talked about it so much this evening, um, and then I guess... To make people who listen to the show aren't gun fans, heads explode, we can play the advert, but I don't know if you wanna play the Muppet show
0: first or could you play both yeah.
1: okay, yeah. Why spend hours searching for in-stock ammunition when you can use AmmoSeek.com? AmmoSeek.com is a search engine for finding ammunition, reloading components, magazines, and guns for more than 300 calibers at more than 60 online retailers. AmmoSeek.com only shows items that are in-stock and readily available for shipping. You can search by caliber, grains, manufacturer, and more. The results are displayed by cost per round, so you are able to get the very best pricing on your ammunition of choice. Find ammunition at the best prices fast. AmmoSeek.com
0: Why do we always come here? I guess we'll never know. It's like a kind of torture to have to watch the show.
1: There's something really wrong with having, like, the Muppets as the closing music, but I love it. (laughs) All right, guys. Um, I guess, what is next week? Next week, it'll be Christmas. It'll be, like, the week of Christmas. I don't normally do this, but I don't think I'm going to do a show next week. I think I need a break.
0: That's fair enough. Everyone's allowed a break.
1: I think so. I think it's a good thing. Yeah, you must go
0: celebrate Saturnalia.
1: Yeah. (sighs) Very true. (laughs) And, uh, you know, I think everybody else is going to need a break, too, because, you know, the holidays are coming up fast, and whether you like them and celebrate them or you don't, you're I'm sure caught up in some sort of frenzy related to them so I'm sure everyone could use a nice restful day where they're not hearing something that makes their head want to explode so next Monday this is your break kids and then I don't should we wait to come back till after the new
3: year
0: it's up to you it's your show (laughs) well
1: I mean
3: I agree yeah it's up to you honey it's your show
1: I'm not really sure about that, but I'll make a decision next week And because I don't really take vacations. Even when I'm on vacation, I'm doing this show. So,
3: Yeah, because this will be my last show until after the first of the new year because the next Thursday is Christmas Eve. I will be with my family, and the Thursday after that is New Year's Eve. So, again, I will be with my family, probably babysitting a whole pile <laughs> of my grandchildren, but that's way fun, too. <laughs>
0: While, while the rest of your family's drunk upside down under tables somewhere.
3: That's okay. As long as I'm not the drunk one, I'm good with that. <laughs> well,
1: I hope everyone has a Merry Christmas, a Happy Hanukkah, a wonderful Kwanzaa, or whatever the hell it is you celebrate. Or don't, um, for that matter. Or don't, yeah. Or if you are just don't believe in anything, there's. Have a nice quiet winter break. And maybe I'll see you in two weeks. Maybe I won't. Good night.